This project was produced by Planet FM with support from New Zealand On Air. The series features 15 candid conversations with people from migrant and former refugee backgrounds, sharing their stories, their lived experience, their own perspectives and covering some sensitive topics. from Storio, and you're listening to Pass the Mic. Due to the global pandemic, we've recorded these conversations from the comfort of our homes. This is episode 11. In this episode, I'm talking to Ashley Pitao Apoy, who is Samoan Chinese. Welcome, Ashley. No, actually, this is my first time. Um, when I first applied, I didn't really think I'd get it. I thought maybe like other people who, with better stories would get a chance to be on this podcast. But when I got the news, I, I was able to. It was really um, exciting. Oh, my God. This is such a classic thing, Ashley. It happens all the time when I interview people. The feeling of their story is good enough. And this is the whole idea for this podcast and for story in general, to show that every story is freaking beautiful and worthy of being heard. Ah. So... Let's start by getting into who Ashley is. Where did you grow up? What made you into who you are today? So my name is Ashley Eva Patel Apoy. That's my full name. Um, so I'm born here in New Zealand. I'm Samoan Chinese, but I grew up in Hong Kong, as you were saying. It was an interesting childhood because, um, you know, I was so young and to move there, I considered my life there normal. Like I was used to the fast pace. Um, humid climate over there and surrounded by a lot of Asian people. <laughs> but I went to an international school, so I felt like I had exposure to different cultures. We were there for my dad's work as an accountant, so it was a really cool opportunity for him and for us to experience a new life in Hong Kong. And to move there, we had no family, no friends, so it was totally new, totally fresh. But usually the following question people have for me after they hear that, they're like, oh, do you speak Chinese or Hong Kongese? <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> because I went to an international school. It was just all English speaking. Coming back from Hong Kong to New Zealand, what was that like? Like you were 12, right? So you were still a kid. So when I was leaving, I remember preparing to say goodbye to all my friends, goodbye to everything I was comfortable with. And I remember being so excited to be back in New Zealand with family. That's what I was looking forward to. But the reality when I went to school, <laughs> I had the hugest culture shock. I like It hit me that I had to make new friends. I had to adjust to the culture, you know, the Kiwi culture. Yeah, so it was very um, scary, very anxiety-inducing for me. Yeah, a bit of cultural, yeah, actually a lot of cultural difference because, you know, you don't see a lot of Pacific Islanders in Hong Kong. <laughs> so, so weird seeing like, wow, there's more people like me here, <laughs> but actually not like me. Like um, the pace of life in New Zealand compared to Hong Kong is so different. Like it's so much slower here almost, like more laid back and chill when Hong Kong was like so busy um, everyone's always moving or trying to get stuff done I remember having so much homework and then coming back here I was like no homework <laughs> it's so weird to me <laughs> when we moved back my dad actually stayed behind in Hong Kong to keep working as an accountant just um, to keep up our financial stability because the pay, uh, pay in Hong Kong is better 
was your because you said you're um of Chinese Samoan descent are your parents like you have a Samoan and Chinese parent or mixture my parents are both mainly Samoan but my dad's side is Chinese so he's one quarter but I'm <laughs> so that makes me one eighth so Sometimes I feel weird bringing up I'm Samoan Chinese, but yeah, but to reclaim this uh, Chinese side is really important to me because actually, yeah, I grew up around China and I know more Chinese than Samoan. So it's, yeah, it's that balance. You feel connected to Pritikata, like to your culture or? Yeah. And what does it look like for you? I'm actually, um, sorry, before that, I was really like resonating with what you said. Like, yeah, <laughs> I definitely feel like I don't really belong in that mold of like being proud of my culture or knowing my culture enough to share it with everyone. Because, you know, with a lot of Pacific Islanders, you see they share like how proud they are of their culture, how proud they are of their village and where they come from. And they know the language and culture enough. And there's me, a lot of meetings or a lot of times where I'm sitting with that sort of group of people. Like, I actually don't know my village. I don't know my language. I don't know. Like, when people ask me questions about Samoa or, like, my culture, I'm, I'm just like, oh, I don't actually know. <laughs> it's a shame. Like, it makes me feel displaced. Like, oh, maybe I'm not Samoan enough. Or Is it mostly with, like, do people ask those things that you make you that feel when you are with like in your community with other Samoan people, or is it with people who are not Samoan who would ask you about your roots? A bit of both, because um, you know, because I obviously look Samoan, so a typical Samoan, maybe an elder will come up to me and speak Samoan, and I'm just, it's really embarrassing at times because you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't speak Samoan. But they know I'm Samoan. Um, and with other people outside, it's like, oh, do you know what this means? Or, you know, they kind of expect you to know as well, like certain um, Samoan words or traditions. And I'm just like, I have no idea. Sorry. <laughs> so it's like that to both. doesn't matter where you're from. You have this common thread experience because I like back in Kazakhstan, I have very similar because I look like back. I'm, I look more I'm half Russian, half Kazakh, but I definitely look more Kazakh. And when people start speaking to you in Kazakh and I don't know my language, um, I know Russian, I can speak Russian, but I don't speak Kazakh. And it's always been like a little bit, I mean, I didn't feel, I didn't personally feel bad, but I guess people would make me feel a little bit bad about it. People would be like, oh, really? You don't speak like teachers or random people on the streets, like random adults would be like, oh, like your parents never taught you. And, and that's always like a weird, I don't know, I guess like shaming a little bit. I'm sure they don't mean to, but that's what, you know. Yeah, it comes off like that. <laughs> no, definitely. Because, um, you know, Samoans as well, they like to joke around. But me, I'm quite sensitive. And so when they say like, oh, you're plastic or like, you know, you don't know the language you should learn or your parents should have taught you or something, I'm like, thank you. I, I feel like... Um, I'm missing out or I'm not good enough at times when they talk like that. Yeah. Because it is something I'm insecure about. Mm, tell me more about the idea of being plastic because that's something I've heard a few times now. But um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. No, definitely. Um, you know, Samoans or Islanders in general who feel like they're not Samoan or Pacific Islander enough, they don't fit in the mold, I guess, of knowing their language or culture, feel like they're plastic, like they don't belong. Um, and other people in the in the same culture tend to say that 
or point out that we're plastic? I interviewed the person Holly Bennett, um, who does she's Maori, and she does a lot of advocacy for like lobbying, government lobbying stuff. And she talks about she talked to me about that um, an idea of being plastic Maori and how um, such a common. And I, you know, I've never heard before that as the first time, like I think it was two, two years ago when I heard that term. It keeps coming up in interviews now, actually, a few times. And it's interesting because, yeah, like they're kind of sort of, you're having to sort of reclaim that like, don't I don't need to be any certain type of Samoan to be Samoan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is it? What is it? Like, we guys define what does it mean to be Samoan? Like, what, what would that be for you? I guess, yeah, again, sort of being proud of your culture. It's... When I say that, it's almost like, oh, do I feel proud? Because <laughs> inside I feel proud, but with other people, I feel almost ashamed when I don't compare to their level of being Samoan or Samoan enough. So, yeah, it's, just, it's a struggle. I'm still trying to learn to be more proud and reclaim my culture. But, yeah, to be Samoan, other than my experience, the values are the same. Like we value family, um, being together together. We care about serving communities, or serving others, and respecting elders. It's the same. So even if I don't feel like I'm Samoan enough, actually the values I have are the same as other Samoans. And what is it like being your Chinese heritage part? How does that play into your life or your identity? When I say I'm Samoan Chinese, people don't really have an issue with it. Some people have pointed out like, oh, you don't really look Chinese. And it's hard. It's, it's like, yeah, I'm a little bit Chinese or even to Chinese people. Um, Cause I've worked with Chinese people in retail and they're just like, oh, like <laughs> they kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. So it is a bit of like, am I someone? Am I Chinese? Like how I fit in with both when I talk to both sides. Yeah, I guess a sense of, again, sense of belonging or part of some cultures or accepted, maybe. I don't know. That's the right. Actually, so you just told me before we started recording um, that you're graduating. What did you study? Um, how did you get into it? So I pursued uh, commerce and law, but I finished with just law because commerce is not for me. I thought I it was for me. In high school, I was like, yeah, I can do this. I love accounting. <laughs> I think I conditioned myself because my dad, studied uh, commerce and law at uni and he was really good at accounting and I thought because I was good at it that I could actually enjoy it or carry on with it but at university (laughs) it was not what I expected and I found out very early that this wasn't for me (laughs) so I pursued law um, and that's what I'm graduating with sticking with our Pacific Island side we have a group called PILSA (laughs) Pacific Island Law Student Association and they've been really supportive I think that's what made me um, feel like I could reclaim more of my Samoan side because before this I had a bad experience in high school or not a great experience with Pacific Islanders like I felt like I was such an outsider I couldn't join in I wasn't invited to a lot of the Pacific Island events that was going on. So it made me even more distant, like, oh. But in university, I found there were other people who felt like me. That was really encouraging for me. And that was through law school. So I'm really grateful for that. And in terms of what I want to pursue, I think more family and youth and child. I've always had a lot of... um, like issues with that, like people's reactions. They've been a bit like, oh, are you sure? <laughs> you know, it's an intense area and it's true, but I just can't help like being passionate about that area. 
And I've always been passionate about helping children. I used to be a swimming instructor for children. So it's, yeah, so it's kind of like community and children. And it's also in my values, like in my culture, I'm branching out to arts. I love art. <laughs> I think that's also a cultural thing. Pacific Islanders love art and music and all that. <laughs> It's interesting to notice that a lot of people from minority communities gravitate toward representation or social justice or, you know, I guess, because have lived experiences of that work. And, you know, here on this kind of podcast, you know, we wanted to talk about, like, what does it mean in the New Zealand context? What does it mean to be a person of color in New Zealand or a woman of color in New Zealand? And, like, what good leadership looks like? from organizations or make sure those communities are included or make sure like you feel like you, you know, just personal, like personally, you felt like you belong. Maybe you had some experiences or thoughts around bad leadership <laughs> or good leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Big question. So I guess bad leadership, <laughs> it's always been like a sense of like Pakeha or white people in power or like not understanding like the importance of, certain things in cultures like I remember last year going through family issues or like needing to support my family in certain ways and it was hard to like you know explain to my manager or like leader that I'm going through things Um, because he was more results driven and more focused on getting stuff done it was almost really um, uncomfortable to um, have that lack of empathy almost or lack of understanding for just importance of family and being there so I feel like that's a sense of bad leadership just not being able to be empathetic or be supportive but good leadership I'd love to see a woman of color up there you know just it's there's so many strong women of color that are really good in leadership. They're nurturing, but also strong, uh, strong willed and just uplifting as well. It's encouraging for me too. I'm sure for like ethnic women or women of color to see another woman of color in power or up there in the leadership role. Yeah, it's like I can be there too, or I belong in this space because, you know, if someone <laughs> who looks like me or someone who represents almost, um, yeah. It's so comforting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have like I know it might be tough from the top, top of your head, um, but like any ideas or thoughts around um, people or companies or like even brands that you like really admire or like something that you're like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> like I can see. I think lately I've been exploring that because during university I've just been focused on trying to get through or study, but coming to the end of it, like I've joined up with different communities like Authenticity Aotearoa. Um, they've got their Women of Color Conference coming up later in the year and I've just been helping volunteer my time and the women there are so, uh, so intelligent, so inclusive, so uh, it's so inspiring. Um, I love being in there. Um, there's nevertheless, <laughs> I've just been following them um, about mental health and seeing like the people that speak on their live uh, Instagram lives. And it's just, oh, I just feel so like, wow, I resonate with this person or I feel like, yeah, I want to support this person, even belong out here <laughs> with this whole past the mic initiative. But, yeah, and Storio, <laughs> of course. Yeah, 
this is all coming together. Like, wow, I feel so comfortable in these spaces to share my story or to be a part of them. I'm wearing nevertheless t-shirt. <laughs> I love, I love nevertheless so much. And I love obviously authenticity as well. And yeah, it's a, it's a interesting to like, obviously, you know, doing story or like, that's something that I started initially for myself. It was more like, oh, I want to hear the stories more. I want to see the stories for myself more. I want to ask friends about like how they feel or like questions that we, we talk about as friends, right? But like sometimes when you have the specific time to sit down with someone and like ask them a bit more like deeper questions, I guess, about like life or meaning or whatever or challenges. It's become a really like safe haven for me, such a space where you just feel like, you can be yourself and you don't follow those narratives of like, you know, the classic success stories of achievement and whatever. And I have like waves of like, you know, I'm surrounded by all these amazing people. What a lovely space to be in. I feel myself. I feel good to sometimes feeling like, oh my God, everyone knows, like everyone knows this amazing woman, you know, um, people of color or, you know, they like know what they're so wonderful. They're doing their work. And I'm like, Oh my God, am I doing enough? Or should I be doing more? Or is my, you know, whatever. And it's been like a life lesson for me to kind of figure out, um, how to not like how to like, it's okay to go through those waves, but not to dwell on the feelings of comparison and stuff. And yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, is it something that maybe you've experienced as well or yeah definitely definitely with comparisons um you know even to my other ethnic friends um they're such high achievers that like sometimes I'm like oh maybe I'm not doing enough um extracurricular or you know I feel like I'm like other Pacific Islanders who are like there for the community and who really showcase themselves like I'm really proud and really um happy for them but at the same time I feel like oh like maybe I need to be like that I need to do more I need to um yeah so there is that at times where I feel um I'm just like um I need yeah I need to do more pretty much you know it's actually something that Noreen from Authenticity I talked to her about before we started the podcast and um her big thing was that she really doesn't like that we have this culture now of trailblazers or of like, you know, this like that when it comes to communities, especially minority communities, it's almost as if there are selected few spots that are only allowed for like this high achievers. And in order to be a successful, let's say ethnic person, you also have to have 15 extra curriculums and 15 volunteer positions and be on some organization boards and that narrative makes it actually harder for all of us to be in the space like that narrative is so strong that now we think oh i'm only going to be a valid or valuable worthy ethnic person or woman or whatever if only i do all this 15 million other things and i'm sure it's this this narrative is strong in pakeha communities as well like you know that narrative of like success i guess like maybe maybe my last because we have some quick fire questions that i wanted to delve into but before we before we ask that i wanted to ask like what made you what made you like what made you to apply to be on this podcast like what made you to submit this form actually my my friend um marie she um brought up the opportunity she was like oh if you're interested like you could sign up and i was like okay um yeah i'll try like i'll give it a go so that's why i initially signed i I had doubts that I would actually make it this this far. I was like, oh, yeah, again with the trailblazers or someone successful, I thought like maybe someone with more achievements or more to say would um, 
get this podcast opportunity. But when I got it, I was like, wow, like, I'm so excited. But also, um, it's so strange to me. I didn't think I'd get it. You have a lot of, you know, sometimes I have a lot of doubts, like, oh, someone better than me will, or someone with more to um, share will get this opportunity. It's so strange. I've never felt like my my story was important enough to share. Like, you know, some people just ask for basic questions or something, but never the deep questions about like the experiences of growing up overseas or as an ethnic person. I'm just really appreciative that you were um, you care about my story. Ah, <laughs> oh, Ashley, it's such a yeah. I I just extend all the heart and love to you because I think first of all I'm so grateful you did <laughs> submit and we had this conversation okay let's dive into the four quick five questions so uh the first one the classic one is about food I want to ask you what's your favorite meal or like a dish um in Hong Kong me and my dad always ordered uh barbecue pork on rice it's called cha siu fan that's the Cantonese way of saying it so whenever you go to Hong Kong and you want barbecue pork on rice you could say like I want like cha siu fan and they'll get it um but I'm vegetarian now so that's like off the table um and in Samoan culture there's this um dish called luau I'm I'm always worried I pronounce it um, incorrectly but it's like banana leaf and coconut cream and it's like in tin foil and it's cooked um yeah and it's always best paired with um taro if someone wanted to try either the Hong Kong dish or the Samoan dish, do you have any thoughts on a place in New Zealand or in Auckland that they could go to? It's difficult because my grandparents make it. And it's always best, like, you know, when grandparents or, like, um, people who <laughs> elderly or, like, you know, from the islands, definitely local places if you don't have anyone you know that can make it. But I'm not too sure because <laughs> my grandparents <laughs> make it. If you could be main character in a movie or a TV show, what would it be? It's so funny. The first thing that comes to my head is Barbie movies. <laughs> Growing up, I loved those movies. Maybe I could be like a Samoan Barbie. Because, <laughs> you know, Barbie's like blonde, white, skinny. Maybe it needs to change. <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> we need more Samoan Barbies and all different Barbies of cultures. Yes. Um, if you could propose one like policy or a change to either government or to like an organization that you would you know want to work for, what would that look like? What would it be? <laughs> Radically, I was like, yeah, give the land back to Maldi, <laughs> to Tangata Fenua. <laughs> That's all I was thinking. Um, yeah. Amazing. Love it. Um, and the last one, what makes you feel like a badass? Just blasting music. Um, from you know strong woman of color you know <laughs> I was gonna say Megan Thee Stallion like rappers or just women who sing about you know self-love and confidence yeah that's why I like to do that hypes me up awesome thank you so much Ashley I so enjoyed this it was a really wonderful conversation thank you for having me I really appreciate it <laughs> That was Ashley. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, check out the 14 other incredible conversations in the series. Share, subscribe, send to someone who might benefit from either feeling seen or learning more about ethnic experiences in Aotearoa. These conversations are a collaboration of Belong Aotearoa, Planet FM, Storio and Sport Waitakere. So you can find the links to those excellent organizations in the bio. Thank you to our funder, Auckland Council Regional Development Fund, and to New Zealand On Air. Mm-hmm.